What's a good way to start the show? I've got a good way to end the show now. Other other podcast hosts just jump right in with the topic. Get your motors run. Oh. No, you got to have some little thing before I get to the intro. So, you want to talk about cars? Ferrari, GTO, Bentley, CRX, and even down to your great-granddad's peerless. Welcome to No Driving Gloves, the Car Talk Authority. Knowledge and controversy share the same seat. Enjoy the ride. Now your hosts, John and Derek. How was that for the transition to the intro there, Derek? Are you doing okay this morning? Well, I'm doing great. Transition was okay. Could be better. Well, you get what you pay for. I don't get paid anything. But if you're going to enjoy the topic that you're going to hear here, hear here, that's like doo-doo. But if you're going to enjoy the topic you're going to hear here, remember to share this episode with a friend. Best thing you can do for us. And we're going to dive into, there's talk among people that the automotive swap meet is dying. When this topic first appeared, Derek and I both thought, Great topic. Then we started to research. Derek, do you what's your feeling? Do you think the automotive swap meet, without getting too in depth, is a thing of the past? If I were to take the word of my friends and acquaintances within the car world, my view would be that yes, swap meets are dying. But you have odd friends. I don't even know if odd is strong enough of a word. (laughs) Some have recently turned in their tin can and strings for a cell phone. And by recently, I meant within the last seven or eight days. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, and I mean, you, you said that to me and I go... I, I can kind of agree with you and you, you know, threw out a potential cause. And I came up with other reasons that could be causing the shrinking of the automotive swap meet. And I don't think I shared any of those with you, but I had my own opinions and I kind of agreed with you. And then doing a little bit of research, the numbers aren't saying these things are dying. Carlisle was up. Hershey was up. Iola was up. You know, the the big swap meets. And I'm not saying just Carlisle Fall or Carlisle Spring. Carlisle Ford Nats. Carlisle, I believe they call it imports now, not kit car import or whatever, but imports. Chrysler's at Carlisle and Corvette's at Carlisle. All of, the, all of their meets were up. I don't know. Uh, Let me know if the delay improves there, Derek. I think it's a perception thing. And I think it is a changing of the guards. Yeah, I I agree with that. You know, the one thing we didn't find in research, though, 
you know, the articles are saying that attendance is up and, you know, more people are coming to the swap meets. And, and by no means am I saying trying to make a, a, a case for swap meets to die here because I, I think they're important. But I also wonder how well the vendors are doing at the swap meets because, of course, you know, people can keep going and it, it can have attendance records, you know, from previous years. But are the vendors selling as much? Are the vendor spaces shrinking? You know, all of that kind of stuff, too, that plays into the swap meet. Because a lot of these swap meets are are more than just a swap meet. I mean, you go to, like, Hershey Fall Meet, which is the AACA big, you know, mecca to many uh, of the swap meet world. Uh-oh. I think we've completely lost John. A one-sided discussion about swap meets is going to be very, very uninteresting. All right. Well, John's back. You were saying the mecca of the car world. Well, yeah, Hershey. I was saying that, uh, you know, Hershey fall meet to many is is the mecca of the car world. And, you know, what I was discussing was the fact that you know, I'd, I'd be interested to know how the vendors are doing, not just how attendance is doing, because the vendors are the lifeblood of the swap meet. That's what makes a swap meet, right? Swap meets can have higher attendance because, like Hershey, there are many other things going on. I mean, the, the last day of Hershey is the big car show. Uh, you know, there's antique car vendors that go there, the... Um, Oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name of the the area where all the cars are for sale at Hershey. Let's just call it the for sale section right now. You know, so there's a lot more than just the swap meet itself that is occurring that can draw people in. And I mean, the the other great thing about these swap meets like Hershey, um, Iola has a big one, uh, Carlisle, all of the Carlisle ones are big that John listed. They're also they're, they're great because they're a community event. They're a car community event, and they bring like-minded people together in one space. I guess maybe the discussion can also be our swap meets just the idea of a swap meet and, and what it used to be, say, in the 1970s, 80s, 90s. Is that changing? Is, is the look of a swap meet moving and our old ideals of a swap meet becoming something new. Well, let's look at Hershey for a second. They changed a couple of years back. And instead of being a Wednesday through Saturday type meet in that, they're now a Tuesday through Friday and they have no weekend dates. That doesn't make sense to me because unfortunately people do work. And I think having that Saturday available, maybe that's why people don't feel Hershey is, say, as big. The people that are going and the attendees and the vendors, because they don't have that Saturday where everybody shows up and the place is packed. Because now people filter in throughout the week. So instead of having, we'll use very abstract numbers, instead of having a thousand people on Wednesday and a thousand people on Thursday and a thousand people on Friday and 
3,000 people on Saturday. Now we have 2,000 on, you know, Tuesday and 2,000 on Wednesday and 2,000 on Thursday. So the crowds don't seem as massive. Doing research for this episode, that really surprised me that they eliminated the Saturday day of Hershey. And it's now move in on Monday, swap meet Tuesday through Friday, and we're all gone. That works great if you want to be a Monday through Friday, nine to five swap meet vendor. But unfortunately, swap meets don't work that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a a lot of the vendors. This is their essentially side hustle, their second job. And, you know, if, if their first job, if they can't get time off now, granted, everyone I know that goes to Hershey, it's just blocked out in their calendar every year. But not everyone can do that and it makes it tough no remember i used to run the largest motorcycle swap meet in the united states and it you know at my peak we had over 1100 vendors and a lot of those vendors you say do it as a side hustle a lot of those vendors do it as a career well yeah there are the ones that it's a career but there's also the ones that are you know, I know the ones that are just doing it as kind of a side hustle, you know, so it's when you're talking about the Monday to Friday swap meet, that's tough for those people, the career ones, it's fine. So John, do you still follow the swap meet that you used to do? And how is how in the motorcycle world? How is that one doing? Is it still doing as well? Well, I pay a little bit of attention to it, and they run it a little bit different now, you know, the time's passed. When I was there, we grew it, and we actually had to separate it into two fields, which the vendors were mixed on, but there was no way to shrink it back and try to put it all into one field. And now they have shrunk it back a little bit, put it all into one field, and been able to monetize the other area a lot more profitably. When I was there, it was an area that wasn't utilized. So it began to monetize it, and then all of a sudden people could say, hey, wait, people are going there. So it's changed a little bit, and they took advantage of 2020, honestly. You know, they couldn't have a swap meet that year, as many places couldn't have a swap meet. And they revamped and they they actually shrunk the swap meet because I guess it's pretty much known. They loved having a waiting list. And what I did is I pretty much eliminated the waiting list. A waiting list, you have power. It Like I said, it took away the power. And I'm not somebody who likes to wield an unyielding power. I like to work with people. And so what if, you know, we don't have a waiting list? I was going to have somebody to replace you. I never had vacant spots. The place was sold out. You know, when I added 60 spots, we had 60 more vendors show up, even if there wasn't a waiting list. But I think the the management preferred having the waiting list. They wanted a little bit smaller. Having the two swap meets and two separate sections of the park was a little bit different. Um, I mean... It's like saying, you know, you have Hershey or you have Carlisle and you can say, oh, well, we've got an additional 200 vendors if you go three blocks down the road. While at Barber's, that's still within 
our 800 acre park or whatever at it's still you've got to get on a tram and you've got to go somewhere and it it was uh so to summarize what i've said the swap meet's a little bit smaller but it's smaller there by design it's not smaller because they didn't want or because the vendors left the number of people that come to the event now it's a multifaceted event i mean there's bike shows there's racing there's you know there's a lot of things going on and not everybody there's for the swap who is there is for the swap meet but no i don't think that i don't think that uh swap meet has shrunk at all um other than what they've designed it to, to shrink hmm. interesting yeah while you were talking it also made me think about carlisle events versus other swap meets because interestingly and it, and it just popped into my head again while you were kind of talking about that the kind of i guess business strategy i'll call it that that carlisle events has would be interesting to compare to the other swap meets because of course uh, for those that that don't know how Carlisle events runs and, and swap meets, they have very brand specific events that go on, uh, you know, Corvettes at Carlisle. That's one of the big ones, you know, that I got used to hearing about. I never made it to Corvettes at Carlisle in my time at NCM, but, but, you know, knew the people that run it, you know, know that it's a, a big, big event for most people in the Corvette world, but they also have, I think they just call it Fords at Carlisle. Uh, and then I think there's a, is there, isn't there a Mustang specific show at Carlisle? They might have a Mustang specific one, but don't forget, they, they also have their fall and spring meets, which are. They do, they do. But, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's also interesting that they step into having very brand specific events, whereas most other places are just a, you know, kind of a wide open, you think of like the AACA Hershey fall meet that we've been talking about, you know, that's just everything under the sun pretty much there. Uh, you don't get a lot of foreign, you know, modern foreign parts, early, you know, foreign car stuff is there, but you know, it, it, it would be interesting to see if brand specific events at Carlisle, how they're doing and and at least for corvettes at carlisle i know that's a strong show that is always packed now the brand specific ones are st are still getting i'm not going to say record attendance but they're growing yeah or yep. their the attendance year over year seems to be more i mean you always have those peaks like you know 2010 2011 works kind of the best for a car swap meets and that why i don't know do you think some of the reason, forget the internet, you know, the internet's there and mm, uh, places have either learned to deal with the internet or you become Sears and you have 12 stores left in the country. I was just talking yesterday to somebody about the local car crews in here and how it used to be, we, we just happened to be at, that shopping center that it, the original kind of cars and coffee thing in Birmingham started. And then I said, well, it moved from here and then it went to this location. And then it went to this location 
And this location said it was fine because they already hosted a car type swap or, or a car kind of a car show. And it was the AACA monthly cruise in. It used to be at a donut shop and it just overgrew that by miles. And they, when this new place opened, one of the owners is a member of the AACA, I believe, and invited him to hang out there. So they would come on the first weekend of the month. Well, the AACA people hated the cars and coffee group. They didn't like the new exotics. They didn't like the new foreign cars. They didn't like, you know, even the new Fox body Mustangs and American cars. So they ran them out of there. And I see the AACA, a lot of the people in the AACA are so close-minded as to what a classic car is or an antique car is. And if it's not a 1948 Chevy or if it's not what, you know, whatever you want to say, it doesn't belong in my parking lot and it doesn't belong to be next to my car. Is it, they're not welcoming to the change in car culture. Like you said, there's not a lot of new foreign car parts at Hershey. Well, guess what? The people that are building cars right now, the hottest cars, you know, the hardest, hottest car collecting segment right now are cars 1980 to the year 2000, you know, the Radwood era. Is Hershey even welcoming of the, the Radwood people? I would, I'm not being there. I would venture to say no. One of the beats that we specifically talked about here and the one that is the only one that I can really see declining attendance figures was the Chickasaw swap meet, which I've attended and it was a great little event. They're very strict. 1895 to 1845. That's all you can have there. 1845. John. Huh? You said 1845. Oh, 19. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 1945. No, I mean, that that would be amazing for me. I would love to go to that show. <laughs> but the problem is the stuff you want to sell us and the, the you know, AACA-type cars, the pre-40, pre-war cars, and you're not welcoming and letting us even get our foot in the door to be exposed to the culture by letting us sell our Japanese Acura parts or our Lexus parts at your swap meet. So how are we ever going to be introduced to this old stuff and purchase it? I think it's really a generational thing and, again, an accepting thing. It's getting better, but I still think that's that's going to be the core thing. I don't think swap meets are dead. I don't think they're dying. I think they're changing, and that's why people think they're dying, the Long-time comers think that they're dying. But the shows that are so rigid with what they allow in, that's why they, you know, they're knocking on death's door. They're, you know, a couple of years away from being gone because you're not allowing, you've got to bring the people that are interested in cars in your doors and then teach them about what your focus is. Because if you don't, if you don't bring them in with some, some piece of candy, they're not going to look at the, you know, vegetables. And that's kind of where I see it. And I'll jump in because, you know, with the AACA, uh, you know, they're, although the swap meet, at least the last time I was there, it's been a few years, um, tends to lean towards older cars. I, I will point out that they do allow any production vehicle, um, 
uh, although obviously one-offs, things like that are, are special classes, but they are, they are a 25 year and older car club. So any vehicle that's 25 years old or older, the AACA recognizes and allows, you know, into their events, things like that. So, you know, I think with that group, there's probably not a lot of the generation that likes the newer cars in that way that are joining the AACA, because I think the AACA, we also have to look at the fact that clubs like the AACA, they've, you're to look at it, I guess, from the business world, right? And and think about it in a, a business strategy way. They've built a brand around old American cars. So it, it's possible that the younger generation that has the more modern cars that John's been talking about, you know, when they see something like the AACA, they're like, oh, well, I don't fit that. Just because they've they've been around so long with this brand of old American cars that even though they're welcoming of more modern vehicles, no one feels comfortable because of the history of the group. And yeah, with, with places like Chickasha or Chickasha, whichever way is appropriate to say it. I mean, they're just, they're just kind of shooting themselves in the foot, unfortunately, where they're staying very year specific for guys like myself. Great. Love it. But there's very few of the younger generation that are into that early of vehicles and the older generation's dying off. So that show, you know, the the folks that I know that go to that show, they don't foresee it being around much longer. Uh, Every year they go, there's fewer and fewer vendors, fewer and fewer people showing up. So at some point, somebody's going to pull the plug. But I, I think these places have to be aware as well of the, for lack of a better term here, I guess, the brand that they have built as the organization that's hosting the event, because, you know, your brand is what makes people feel welcome or not. Uh, you know, the, the CCCA, now they don't, I don't think they have a swap meet anywhere, but you know, the classic car club of America, they're a very strict club that has, you know, very strict rules. And I know people involved in that club and they're also struggling for membership just because they're so limiting. So I think we have to keep that in mind too, that these swap meets and, and the groups that host them have to make sure that they, they do something to make everyone feel welcome. If they have a history that, has a skewed view of being very narrow in what they focus on. And I think that's where Carlisle events probably does a really good job because they do the brand specific. They're, you know, open to everyone, you know, Corvettes at Carlisle. It's not like, well, we're only for Corvettes from 1953 to, uh, you know, uh, 1982, the end of the C3 generation. We don't care about any of the modern stuff. No, it's, if you got a Corvette, if you love Corvettes, get here and have fun. Now, then we can go Carlisle. I mean, Carlisle had its change. It used to be the 
um, Kit Car Import Nationals. Actually, it used to be the Kit Car Nationals. Then it was the Kit Car Import Nationals because they needed a place for the Japanese-type cars to go. It eventually became the Import Kit Car Nationals. Now it's just Carlisle Import because the Kit Car community itself died. So the show did change. You know, the show had to change. And, you know, they tried. They tried for years and they tried all different things to try to keep that kit car excitement al- alive. And if you still have a kit car company or something, you can, you know, attend the imports, but it's really not looked at fondly. And they even had the problem when it was kit car import and then the change to import kit car, they had issues with the tuner cars and the way that crowd behaved. And they started a separate event elsewhere the same weekend specifically for those cars so they took the bad element or the undesired element away from the show and then slowly brought the two back together so carlisle has a very good management strategy and how to how to deal with this i just it's something that as by you know bothered me or whatever and i guess i'm very close-minded and i'm very rigid on my thoughts is that they don't accept the newcomers and i mean i was saying this back in the early 90s way before i had a podcast way before i had earned a paycheck really from cars i would go to a cruise in in my crx with you know custom wheels and you know it's Boomin's car stereo and everything and you get frowned upon because I wasn't desired at the regular cruise-in because I wasn't in a Charger I wasn't in a Chevelle I wasn't you know I guess you could say Fox Body Mustangs even though they were current they were kind of accepted but my car wasn't accepted because it was Japanese and it always bothered me and then I started to you know started to go to shows and I'm going we're getting younger. I mean, we're in our late 20s, early 30s, and I'm going to these shows, and you're still playing me the Beach Boys. You're still playing me Jan and Dean. You've got to mix in a little bit of, you know, Eminem, or you've got to put some Tupac in there, or you've got to put some Motley Crue or some Van Halen. Let's get, you know, don't don't jump from, I guess, even Jan and Dean to the 90s, let's get some 70s and 80s music being played at these events. But it's always the 60s, you know, whatever. I always think Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, but, you know, Fog Hat or whatever. Yeah, I, I, it is. It's a vicious cycle, right? I mean, you think about, uh, you know, when you're, when you're young and you're starting in it, and nobody wants to accept you, so you're always, oh, you know, the, the old timers, they just, you know, they want to do their thing, and they don't want to think about what the new interests are. And hopefully, and and maybe every generation says this, but hopefully our generation, you know, John, yours, and my generation, and those coming up behind us, can remember as they grow into these things they can they can remember the feelings they have when they're the young generation and make that change because the other thing we have to i think remember is that 
you know, right now with these swap meets, John, you and I are only really second or third generation away from the people who founded these things. So these swap meets are kind of new, right? I mean, they're, they're only two to three generations old. And so there's still, I think in some ways there's still that grasp of, you know, well, this is what we create. And I mean, some of the founders of these are still alive, and they're like, well, this is what I created, and this is this is the way we we intended it to be, and we don't want that to change. As we move further away from those, you know, founders and and the stalwarts of what it was created as, it can then meld into what it needs to be to keep alive and keep going. I think that makes sense. That all makes sense, John. That it pops in my head. What do you think a Pebble Beach swap meet would look like? <laughs> well, a show like that's, I mean, that's unless somebody comes in and goes, dude, we got it. We got to bring it up into, you know, the 1950s or sixties, at least I don't, don't see that show surviving much longer <laughs> i was i was gonna uh, try to try to you know paint a picture of that swap meet at, at pebble beach uh, you know it would it would have to be uh, temporary structures set up like rodeo drive and you know classical music in each each temporary structure hardwood Maybe, you know, maybe pergo floors that emulate hardwood and uh, some soft classical music playing. Uh, and all the vendors would have to be, you know, wearing some some sort of, you know, suit. Uh, ladies would have to be wearing very nice dresses. Um, you know, it, you know and only only the highest end parts would be allowed coach built coach built parts only sir they would all be cleaned and uh ice blasted so that <laughs> yes now see i was going exactly opposite because they now have a concord de limons you know during pebble beach well during pebble beach week well, during car and weeks it's, it's, and that's what i'm saying yeah. Why, what would uh, it would be interesting to try to introduce that swap meet uh, category there and you see just wandering around and you know, oh hi ralph you know you, you coming out with a new slightly new color of the polo shirt this year and you know people you bump into and <laughs> hey randy uh, uh, i heard you found a new roll of duesenberg blueprints you're gonna build you're gonna build that cu custom by <laughs> you know it would be a really interesting uh swap meet and maybe since nobody's doing it uh, we're looking for investors. Derek and I have uh, claimed the Pebble Beach swap meet. Uh, if that's not trademarked, if not, we're going to be the um, the Coastal California August Automotive Purchasing Excursions. Ooh, I like that. 
And we'll have a special edition American Express card for it. It'll be a platinum card, but it'll be patinaed. I I don't well that's only if it if it's preservation class. I mean if it's if it's anything else if we're expecting to win a, a you know first place in first in class or anything like that it's it's going to have to be an over restored American Express card. Well, that would be the chrome plated card. Oh, okay. So we'll have a couple ish, uh, a couple versions. We'll take we'll take no, we'll take the uh, inspiration from the aluminum Apple cards. <laughs> we'll get them. Ah. So I don't know. I disagree that swap meets are going away. I think they will go away if there's not some acceptance of the new cultures. I think the swap meets that aren't accepting are the ones that we're seeing in the decline and those that are trying to work with, you know, people born, you know, after 1970 are growing and seeing, you know, activity. Um, I've never been to Iola. I'm not too experienced with it, but I, you know, I know they're a good mix of cars. And like we said, Hershey has a lot of, lot of things and they entertain the pre-war people and they, uh, they get up and, you know, I tried to see if there was ever a Beretta on the show field at, you know, Hershey and, but I wonder what the AACA judging on like Chevy Berettas are and Chrysler Shelby Daytonas or Dodge Shelby Daytonas, things like that would be, but what's, what's their best category? Uh, grand top of the line AACA award. Oh, you'd have to ask because you can get your junior senior senior but i yeah yeah maybe that's what it is could you see your senior award-winning aaca dodge caravan i think that would be very important the dodge caravan and plymouth voyager are extremely important in just automotive history i don't know we we kind of strayed a little bit we never really did circle back around but well, i think you just did i mean you, you you know you mentioned that you don't think swap meets are uh, coming to an end, especially the ones that are going to, you know, develop with the car communities that are growing and, you know, the more modern twist on car culture. And I would, uh, you know, I agree with that. Like I said, in the beginning, if, if I hadn't gone and read some of the articles and looked at some of the swap meets that, you know, I, I, I don't te- attend a lot of swap meets again, you know, the, the, 40 hour a week, nine to five job makes it difficult to do that. And, uh, you know, to be able to travel and get out to these events that sometimes happen midweek again, like I said, in the beginning, my view from those friends that do attend and are early car people might just be a bit skewed because again, it's not, they're not seeing what they used to see when they went 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, and there was a lot more, you know, of the parts that they were looking for at these events. So to them, it's like, well, it's, it's, it's really dying off because I can't find anything. Well, you might not be able to find what you want, but the kids that are there that are in their twenties, 
they might be finding exactly what they want. And they think it's the greatest swap meet there is just like you did when you were in your twenties and thirties. And I do think we overlooked and it just occurred to me, we overlooked the numerous t-shirt vendors, sock vendors, hat vendors, things like that, that are really don't belong in an automotive swap meet. Maybe one or two t-shirt vendors, but that's one thing we did at Barber's is everything was true vintage or true motorcycle merchandise. We didn't really allow a t-shirt vendor. Um, We didn't allow people, you know, just selling socks and things like that. We kept it parts. But you got to have. You got to have one airbrush artist that you can take the picture of your 55 Chevy to and he can airbrush your custom t-shirt with your 55 Chevy and your, you and your wife's characterized faces above it, you know, with the, with the sunset at the beach going down behind it, John. Now the only non-automotive related booth that really should be there would be the cigar booth. In, in most car cultures, that, that is very fitting. Let us know your opinions on swap meets. Are we wrong? Are we right? Are we just totally lost? Um, if you like this episode or if you go, hey, you know you guys might have a point, share it with somebody that you maybe thinks doesn't agree with our, our view here or... If you know of a meat that's struggling, share this episode with them. Maybe it's a waste of their time, but more than likely they'll ga- garner a little bit of knowledge out of this. Whether they agree with us or not, that's their call. Everything's at nodrivinggloves.com. We're getting here late in the year, and Derek and I are starting to put our Christmas lists up there. And of course, if you don't want to buy for us, we're sure things on our Christmas list will fit other car people in your life or maybe give you some ideas to ask for yourself. Do you have anything else to go, Derek, or did I cut you off too early? No, no. Interestingly, just wrapping this up, but I just thought about something and I I clicked on a couple of the different uh, swap meet, you know, club uh, websites and just flipping through uh, the car show sections of the swap meets and looking at a few of the pictures and I think that also says a lot about the event and what they're welcoming of and maybe what their current leadership focus is on. And AACA, if you kind of flip through their photos from the Swap Meet Car Show, oh, I don't think I see anything in the pictures that is post-19... 60s at the latest and Iola interestingly the main photo they use on their website for the car show you can see everything from the I'm just looking here real quick again 1950s so nothing too early Uh, You know, nothing like 30s era in the picture, at least. But one of the cars I can see in the picture is a a mid-80s Monte Carlo on the show field. 
you know, I mean, oh, and actually there, I just missed it. There's a, a, a 90s, mid-90s Mustang convertible on the show field. So, you know, I think that that might also be telling of what these swap meet car shows are welcoming of. There's actually at the Iola picture, there's a square body Chevy truck, which is a cool truck, by the way. Uh, you know, so it, just kind of talking about that acceptance of the newer generations, just kind of look at those car show pictures and see what's out. Yeah. What's on the show field. That'll tell you a lot too. I don't think I have anything else to add to that. So with no further adieus, I think you all should, uh, y'all, I hate that. I'm getting more and more Southern. I was going to say Southern boy. So until then, everybody get off your ass and go burn some gas. This show was a part of the No Driving Gloves Network, produced and edited by John Viviani of Magic City Podcast, with voice work by Gary Conger. So until the next exit.